What's up, people? Transcending Sport. This is Rob Cruz, Episode 1. TJ Lopez, one of my really good friends. Let's go. Welcome to the Transcending Sport Podcast with Rob Cruz. An audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations, and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. Welcome to Transcending Sport. I'm your host, Rob Cruz. Today's guest is TJ Lopez from Athletic Movement Protocol Sports Performance Facility in Long Island, New York, which he is the founder, longtime friend. We've done a lot together working with athletes, player development at every level. Um, welcome to the show. What's up, TJ? Thanks, Rob. It's been a long time coming. We've been talking about this for a while, <laughs> so I'm glad to finally get it started. Absolutely. So what I want to, I want to get right into it. Um, you know, with this podcast, my 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 intention was to really talk about the things that really don't get talked about. I really appreciate the clients that I have, and particularly the clients that are very educated and really are going after information. And as they are more informed, they can make more decisions for the for the kids who are performing. Or if you're just an athlete or a coach and just want to know more because you'd like to know things. I wanted to be able to create a platform where we can get the information and get the experts, bring in the best people in the world who are the best at what they do, or and in your case, the only one who does what you do, <laughs> the way you do it, um, which, right, is why right. I have, which is why I have a lot of respect for you. So in the news currently, I wanted to just, something current that's going on, particularly with the NBA, the National Basketball Association, we have a lot of talk and a lot of controversy surrounding um the best basketball player in the world, LeBron James, and probably the second bas- best basketball player in the world, um, um, Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. um, with regards to rest. Right. And the controversy is they're resting during the season in order to be able to perform at a high level in the postseason. And um, obviously the fans feel cheated because, okay, I drive – X amount of hours or fly X amount of miles or, you know, I bring my kid to go see this star player play and then he's resting. Um, and then, and then obviously the advertisers um, who pay big, big money for the, to, you know, to support the NBA and to, and to have advertising spots in specific marquee games, they kind of get the short end of the stick because now the, the ratings will drop as soon as I tune in and I see this player's not playing, okay, I'm going to go change the channel. So what are your thoughts right. on rest? And I, and I know that that's, not, that's that's professional sports, but whether it's professional sports or whether it's amateur sports, I, I feel like a lot of today's athletes are really, really starting to realize the benefit and the importance of rest slash recovery, even in season and picking their spots wisely. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's definitely something that, uh, you know, obviously the old school heads like, like yourself and myself are not going to really tolerate, uh, you know, professional athletes sitting out and taking days off. You know, it, it, it's not necessarily um, – it, it's obviously the, the effect of marketing and money on the sport. You know, if these guys were making $50,000 a year and, and their paycheck depended on whether they won or lost the game, obviously they would be making different – different decisions. Absolutely. Um, but they make so much money off the field that obviously that's something that, you know, it, it's, it's an exterior, uh, you know, thing, especially in basketball because the contracts are so big. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there, there's more wear and tear on their body. 
uh, in a sport like basketball, um, you know, the, the, the nature of the sport. But, you know, getting back to the, the recovery side and, and you know, where, where I come in and where my expertise is, um, you know, it's funny because, you know, you don't even know this yet, but or I didn't, we didn't talk about this before, but I'm actually hooked up to uh, something called the Mark Throw right now just uh for my own training and for my own recovery i gotta find the time to be at my best as a strength coach um so i'm actually hooked up to a stim device that is uh that's helping my muscles pulse and it's kind of like a way of active recovery now these guys um in the nba are privy and have access to the best recovery technology in the world um so the minute that they step off the, the court that's when their recovery starts. And you'll actually see less and less, you'll see less guys icing after a game. Back in the day, remember Patrick Ewing sitting on the bench with his knees, his ankles, his shoulders, his elbows, everything was iced up. Right? You'll see yeah. less and less of that now uh, because we're understanding a little bit more about the body, how it recovers. Icing does one thing. It, it, it makes you feel better. You know, it'll, if you got pain, it'll obviously make you feel better if you have an acute injury like an ankle sprain or a shoulder sprain, something like that, that that's, that's going to require, um, you know, that, that's going to require a few days for you to be able to get back. Icing might help in that, you know, one to three day period, right? The acute uh, inflammation phase. But after that, you're, you're actually slowing down your, your body's ability to recover. So these guys are doing a lot less, uh, a lot less icing post workout and post game and doing more things uh, like compression uh, things like, uh, the, the Mark Pro stim device that's helping my, it, it's actually helping, uh, it's called the lymphatic drainage system. So what that does is it brings, uh, blood flow back to your heart, reoxygenates that blood, and then brings more minerals and, and, uh, and healing properties to that area so that then you're obviously feeling better the next day. Um, so any, you know, people that are just everyday athletes, you know, weekend warriors can use, uh, things like this. It's actually, you know, some of the stuff is over the counter, not that expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you've got the guys in the NBA making millions They're you know, they're sleeping in, in, uh, hyperbaric chambers. They're, uh, you know, they're eating properly. I mean, the, the education around the sport, especially around recovery has, has just grown tenfold. I, I would say in the next, in the last 10 years. So the fact that, you know, guys are resting more is one, you know, one, one thing that obviously the, the, the emphasis is on rest. So when you see in the NFL, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, the Seahawks are famous for having, or, or at least in the last couple of years, they're, they're less contact uh, during game week. They're tackling different. They're using technology. Now they have, they have an exercise technology uh, department that, all they do is is collect data on athletes and ask them questions before they walk in the in the training facility. See how much sleep they got the day before. What did they have for breakfast? If they had anything at all, are they hydrated? I mean, there's so many variables and so many things that now they that we can track with technology that these guys are recovering better than ever. Um, you know, so again, getting back to the, the NBA, that's that's more of a you know almost like a political discussion. When we come, when it comes to the finance and and, and money in the in the sport, but at the end of the day, the emphasis is is, is getting back to recovery. Um, the emphasis is getting back to rest, and you're seeing that these teams, you know, like the, I think maybe the Spurs might have been the first team to do it, where it kind of you know get uh, 
the ones that were getting criticized for doing it early on, and they won the championship that year, which mm-hmm. was two or three years ago when it really first started to get uh, brought up in the media. And, you know, teams are kind of starting to follow suit, just like they're going to follow suit in the NFL, they're going to follow suit in baseball, you know, with the pitch counts and, mm-hmm. and all these other, uh, these other aspects. So it's, it's definitely a new world uh, when in many, many ways. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, the emphasis is on recovery and we're not driving guys into the ground as, as much as we used to. I hear you. So, so let me ask you this. So, so from on, an, at the amateur level, Youth, youth baseball, youth softball, uh, even youth hockey, where you have a lot of concussions and a lot of bang bang and a lot of contact. Right. Uh, even youth high school lacrosse is a lot of banging and a lot of contact and a lot of concussions and, and soccer and all those sports. At the youth level, do you, do you see uh, a lot of this technology trickling down even to the amateur sports, even if it's the elite amateurs, do you, do you see that happening? And, you know, it, I'm sure it's happening in, at, at some level on a small scale, but how do you see that, that industry growing with the, with, with regards to the exercise, the exercise and recovery technology? Well, again, you know, it, it's one of those things that, you know, when Under Armour comes out with a sleep shirt, I don't know the exact uh, technology behind it, but they've got, you know, the commercial with Tom Brady going to take a nap with his with his sleep shirt that's supposed to cool (laughs) you and and make you, you know, recover faster overnight. But when companies like that are investing time and money and and marketing dollars to the concept of the importance of sleep, you know, people, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, having that hustler mentality. But at the end of the day, if you don't get your six to eight hours at night, and it, for an athlete, might you know, especially high school athlete, might be eight to ten hours. Um, if you're not getting that sleep, number one, you're probably not fully recovered day after day. If you if you go sleep deprived for too many days, too many months uh, in a row, you're you're leaving something on the table um, when it comes to being able to get back 100. percent So just the, the media aspect of the importance and the and the where the attention is is very important. Um, you know, we have more information out there than ever. Obviously, with the Internet, we're getting more and more information out there. Is it always the best? No. But, you know, that's what guys like myself and you come in and, and we're trying to disseminate the best information of where to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, when it when it comes to the amateur athlete, they are understanding a little bit more about recovery. Like I said, we talk about the pitch count in baseball. That's just one aspect of, you know, understanding that you don't just go out there and and you know empty the tank every single day without understanding you got to refill that tank uh, with proper nutrition um and then obviously with the with the recovery strategies you know we have a performance center here on long island where athletes can come in they can get uh, specific targeted manual therapy massage stretching um you know different things that are going to help them recover we have our our recovery technology whether it's compression boots whether it's the SIM devices, um, you know, different ways to, you know, keep, stay mobile, stretch, recover. All of these things have to do with getting back and optimizing the athlete day after day. And if you don't stay on top of it, if you're not consistent with it, then you're going to see the, the, that your game starts to fall off. So I, w- I would say for sure the attention is going in the right direction. Um, is everybody doing it? I don't think so. Not, not, on, a, not on a large scale. Um, especially in high school and college sports, we're still seeing coaches just going straight out to the field, cold off the bus, 
right onto the field, start throwing, finish the game, get back on the bus, drive home, maybe stop at McDonald's on the way. So we're, we're not feeding ourselves properly. We're not recovering. We're not warming up. We're not recovering after a game. Um, and then we're also probably not getting the, the correct sleep that we need, um, especially, you know, the amateur athletes or the, or the, uh, you know, the college athletes on the road all the time. So, you know, we can definitely do a lot more. Um, but like I said, the attention's going in the right direction. And I think that the evolution of sport is going to get to the point where technology is more integrated into the day to day. Um, and then just the information is just understood much better. Um, and we're going to make sure that, that our athletes are performing at a higher level because they're fully recovered. Um, and, and, and we're able to get the most out of them. Okay. So <clears throat> observation last 10 years. And this is just a quick last 10 years, little league baseball, youth baseball, mm-hmm. most organizations are making it mandatory that pitchers specifically get a specific amount of days rest after they've thrown a certain amount of pitches. Maybe if you throw 75 pitches, you have to rest for four days or five right. days or whatever it is. Right. However, we're and, and, and with those rules and, and with those changes being adapted into youth sports, into youth baseball particularly, we're seeing more and more injuries, more and more Tommy John surgeries at JV, Tommy John surgeries in 13-year-olds. So so Little League and, and youth organizations have taken these precautions. And, and And it seems like the more precautions they've taken, the more injuries we're having. Like, what's up with that? You're right. You're right. And, uh, you know, I have this conversation every day. You know, 90% of my clientele are baseball and softball players, um, just throwing athletes in general. Um, and we're seeing more and more. You know, we actually just had another guy go down uh, this year, you know, early season, northeast. And they're throwing in 40-degree weather, competitive innings, you know, mileage on the arm, and, and it blows out. So, you know, I think the number one thing that I'm seeing – is that the training and the, and the technology around the training is getting that much better. Mm-hmm. Athletes are getting stronger at a younger age. Athletes are getting more conditioned at a younger age. Uh, you know, they're, they're throwing harder at a younger age. And you're seeing from from top to bottom, you know, you've got guys like Araldus Chapman now 100, throwing 105 miles an hour. Supposedly there's a few other guys that are getting into that realm. So, Where's it going to go in, in another 10 years? Are guys going to be throwing 110 miles an hour? I mean, it's, it's like, where, wh- when do we stop? When do we, when do we decide that, you know what, these guys are throwing hard enough. So that's one aspect, the, the performance training and, and the, the evolution of the athlete and, you know, the, their ability to throw harder is obviously improving. Um, now that could, that could be, it should be a great thing. Right. But I think the problem is that, when we're looking at these numbers, we're looking at the pitch counts, we're looking at, um, you know, just general numbers. And it's really difficult. It, sport, there's, there's, there's art that it, that's involved mm-hmm. in, in the sport, whether as a pitching coach, as a pitcher yourself, you know, just as an athlete, you have to understand how to listen to your body. I think what we're less and less in tuned because of all the noise and all of the information. So that there's on one end, the data and the information is great on another, on the other end, I think it's confusing. And it's also, it, it kind of gives us a little bit too much information. And then we don't know what to focus on. We don't know that 
as a pitching coach, you need to be able to understand what your pitcher looks like when he's under fatigue. You need to know that once his, his mechanics start to break down and he's starting to, you know, throw a little bit harder with a, with a little bit more effort, but his form is a little bit broken down. Pitching coaches need to understand that. Um, you know, Leo Mazzoni, who, who's, you know, if, if for, if it wasn't for the technology and the, and the change in the game, he'd still be a pitching coach today. He was a pitching coach for the, for the Atlanta Braves, obviously winning, you know, World Series and having one of the best pitching staffs in, in baseball history. Mm-hmm. He understood the, the art of being a pitching coach. When the game got to too much of the data and the, and the saber metrics and the, the pitch counts, that's kind of when he when he he lost interest and he knew that his his days were numbered because there might have been one guy that went out there and he was at 120 pitches, but he was throwing at 90 percent. He might have been throwing 84 to 85, 86 miles an hour fat, uh, fastball, but he put the ball in the right spot and he knew how to change speeds and he knew how to throw on the inside of the plate, the outside of the plate, switch up the sequences, keeping guys guessing. Right. That's the art of pitching. Mm-hmm. That's a guy like. My client, Cece, that's, that's, that's learning that now. He's no longer a power pitcher. Now he has to really rely on his, the strategy and, and the, the, you know, the art of being a pitcher. Now you look at guys and, you know, they're, they're throwing as hard. A lot of them are throwing as hard as they possibly can almost every time. Partly, especially in the, in the younger, you know, the, the high school and the, and the college age, partly because they're trying to get on somebody's radar, you know, mm-hmm. on the, they're trying to light up the radar gun and they're trying to get on, you know, a scout's radar at the, at the same time. So mm-hmm. they're, they're just out there. If you don't throw a 95 plus, you're not going to get looked at. And that's the reality of it. The problem is that they're throwing these stressed, stressful pitches and innings more and more. So I think just, you know, so we, we do a, a, a weighted ball program in the off season. We do a strength and conditioning program, obviously all throughout the year. Now kids are, guys are going to be able to go, they're, they're going to jump from, you know, sometimes we see 85 to 90, we see 76 to, to 83. I mean, we see big jumps in velocity. Mm-hmm. Now that obviously we're improving their capacity as an athlete. We're, we're, we're improving their capacity to throw harder. But that doesn't necessarily mean that just because we just gave you the ability to throw 93 miles an hour, that you should go out there and try to throw 93 every single time. Because at, over time, obviously, if you're throwing at 100% of your maximum on a consistent basis, you're going to blow out. That's just like me putting your maximum bench press on the bar and telling you that every day, Monday through Friday, we're going we're gonna to max bench press as many reps as you possibly can. Something's going to go wrong. You're going to hurt your shoulder, your back, whatever, you know, whether it's a a bench press, a squat, a deadlift. If you try to max out every day of the week, obviously something's going to go wrong. Now as a pitcher, if you're going to max out every time you step on the mound, one to two times a week, things are going to go wrong. Um, Now, is that a hundred percent of the cases? Maybe not. Uh, but I think that that's, and I, and I think that, you know, I, I, I sat with a, uh, I, I watched a panel, uh, last year, some, sometime around this, uh, this time last year, it was, uh, a great panel and, uh, Leo Mazzoni was on it. Uh, Tommy John himself was on it. Uh, the, uh, the Yankee team doctor, uh, Dr. Ahmad and mm-hmm. Glenn Fleisig, who was the, the, uh, the, 
science behind uh, the Andrews Institute down in Alabama. Um, and they've been studying this stuff for years. And pretty much that's, it, it, it comes down to effort. Max effort reps is really, really the, the, the thing that's going to cause the most stress. So, you know, putting just some arbitrary number on, on that, it's, it's kind of difficult to do because there's some guys that can go out there and at 40 pitches, they're maxed out because they threw 30 of them were at their maximum velocity. And there might be another guy that goes out there and can throw 120 because he's just cruising, you know, at 85 to 90% of his maximum. And he understands how to control it. So, you know, it, it's, I, I don't know if that's, it's, if it's opinion or if it's, uh, you know, I think some of it is, is based on fact. But again, there, there's art and there's always, there's, it's never black and white. There's always going to be a gray area when it comes to, you know, what the best way to go about it is. But, you know, it's, it's, the data driven, you know, obviously we're getting more information. So we're, we're seeing radar guns at every high school game and every college game. So that's part of it. Um, and then also the, you know, the, the ability to, to throw harder because they're training better. Um, but it's not necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean that they're, that they're, they're doing the right thing, that they should be throwing as hard as they possibly can. Right. So switching gears a little bit and ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is Transcending Sport. I'm Rob Cruz. This is TJ Lopez from Athletic Movement Protocol in Long Island, New York. Um, let me ask you this. Dr. Corbin, someone you know. Yep. <laughs> he, he's, he's very, very uh, aggressive in the pursuit of, no, of knowledge and information and disseminating that information with regards to uh, fatigue specifically. Yes. Uh, and he done, he's done that study with on fatigue and fast pitch. Now, before you comment, and, and I know you, you have some knowledge of, of what he's been doing and what he's done with regards to his study, you know, with fatigue and fast pitch and mm-hmm. how, how it affects performance and longevity and, and windmill pitchers and softball. But I want to say that softball pitchers are throwing a lot of pitches. And, and softball mm-hmm. pitchers are throwing back-to-back days. Softball pitchers are throwing back-to-back games back-to-back days right um with very little rest uh or and if, if you get rained out you know particularly in the northeast if you get rained out twice in a week that means the the week after that that means you're definitely pitching four times that week four games right. at least minimum so what what do you say to to a parent of a pitcher who's got some potential She's 15. She's the only one in her town and her high school that can pitch. They're relying on her to win. They need her to win. There's no one else. What, what do you say to that? To the, what do you say to that family? To, to that player? Yeah, and and how old is she right now? Scenario. 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 15 years old. Right. She, she's probably a freshman in high school, maybe a sophomore. She's right. the only pitcher in her in her town. She's the the high school's stud, you know, she's going to strike, strike out 10 batters, win every game, throw about exactly. three or four no hitters. And, um, what do you say to them? What, what, what? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really incredible. And, and I think, you know, we've, as a society, uh, you know, I, I think we've, we've just kind of put, uh, softball pitching in the, you know, category of a, a more natural movement than, the overhead throw, the overhead throw, right, yeah. um, in baseball. Now, obviously, there is stress involved. 
And in some instances, there's actually the same or more stress put on the UCL in a, in a, in a, a windmill pitch than there is in an overhand throw. Um, so I think that, that the information there is just, you know, it's lost in translation uh, to a certain extent. Um, you know, I, and we see this. We see these girls, they've got the same issues, uh, might be a little different uh, just because stress is a little different, but they, they've got the, uh, especially female athletes are going to have more mobility than male athletes. On a, you know, on, on, if, you, if you're generalizing, um, you know, the female athlete will be more mobile. So their joints will be, uh, more lax, which which is a good thing if you're a, a, a throwing athlete, but you can also uh, find issues where they're going to have more instability in their joint as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the the uh, female athlete is undertrained in just in general. Um, you know, you're seeing you know more and more male athletes, you know, football players, baseball players, training at facilities like my like mine, whereas you know the, the female athlete. Is, is not they're, they're playing just as much and sometimes more more yeah but they're not training enough off the field so you know it, it's one of those things if you are the best pitcher in your town as a, as a softball player you know you're going to it, it, it's, it's almost a necessary evil for you to be the one that the team relies on and if you're a 15 year old you're going to be doing it for four years mm-hmm. right three or four years so my my uh my advice to that athlete and to the parent is number one, get evaluated and make sure that what we're doing is not overstressing, right? As, as an athlete, we have to make sure that your, your joints are healthy, that you have the proper mechanics when you throw, that you have the proper stability in your joints and the mobility in, in your hips and shoulders that you need. Um, and then obviously we, you have to monitor that. You have to monitor whether your body's able to, able to, to take on that stress repeatedly. Uh, now, you know, my guess is most athletes over throughout the year are going to break down are going to have aches and pains. Um, and a lot of athletes, a lot of, you know, uh, high school athletes never reach their, their full potential because they're throwing competitive innings all year round from the age of 15. And by the time they're 18, their arms are blown out or their lower back or that they have a back issue or, you know, uh, you know, obviously, you know, head to toe, you can have an injury, you know, under that, under that stress mm-hmm. at any joint. And um, also though, TJ, with, with female athletes, I'm seeing their bodies are going through big time changes. Right. Um, particularly in the hips. For the most part, you know, in, in, in the high school ages, you know, you know what I mean. You'll see a right. big shift and change from in, in six to eight months, you know, exactly. three different times in, in three different years. Their bodies will change dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that have an effect with their stability and mobility? Well, that's the thing. I mean, you obviously we have hormonal changes, um, you know, through year to year, month to month, um, you know, and and those are things that that you really have to take into consideration, um, you know, menstrual cycles that, you know, the closer to menstruation, they're going to, they're going to have more mobility, more laxity in their joints. So what are they going to be? They're going to be open to more, uh, more injuries and they're going to have more stress on their body. So, you know, as a coach, male or female, you have to understand those, uh, those, those things that, that, uh, that female athletes go through. Uh, you have to you have to understand the science behind it. You have to understand, you know, when 
when and where to push an athlete and when and where to, to, to kind of back off, um, you know, because they're going through changes, uh, especially throughout high school and college. So, um, yeah, I mean, you really have to take that into consideration as an athlete. You have to, you have to understand yourself. And as a coach, you really have to, uh, do your homework and, and really understand what, what the stresses are and how to manage that. Um, you know, as a strength coach, I manage stress in the weight room. I manage stress on, you know, we, we determine how much inflammation someone has and we, we, we help them with their nutrition. We help them get more sleep. We help them with their, their injuries. As a coach, you have to manage that stress by the, by the, uh, the reps uh, that they get in a game. Um, you know, the amount of pitches, the amount of stress each pitch um, is. And again, you have to go back to that, uh, to the, the exertion. The 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 uh, the percentage of their their maximum power that they're using when they throw. Now, if you have a you know a pitcher that can now what's what's a, a normal uh, mile per hour on a, on a fastball and in, in, in fast pitch in high school or in competitive well, let's competitive just say actually in college in college what's what's a what's a pretty good fastball? Okay, so. A- so at a major division one, you're looking at about 63 to 65 is, is like what you're going to see. Okay, great. So 63 to 65. So if they really rear back, maybe somebody throws 63 could throw 65, right? Mm-hmm. But if they stay from 55 to 60, and they're you know they're they're changing their speeds, they're changing their their pitches, they're changing the location, they could probably do pretty well, mm-hmm. right? They don't want to throw their maximum every single time. And I think that's one of the things as a, as a pitching coach and as a coach in, in general, the one reason to radar the athlete is to know how many throws or how many pitches they're throwing at that max effort and, and determining from that number pitch count and, mm-hmm. and, and how, how to rest and how to, how to manage that arm. I don't think just a general number, because if you throw – a hundred pitches and they're all change-ups and, the, and you're getting people out and you're, they're grounding out, popping out, striking out, then you're fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. This, 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 stretch is much lower. Yeah. There's a ton of variables. I mean, there's, you know, right, you, right. You, you, we're starting to see now um, the body type of the pitcher has changed where it right. used to be tall, slim. Now mm-hmm. it's bigger bodied. And, and the pitchers of today look like the catchers of yesterday. And the catchers right. of today look like the, the catchers today look like shortstops, right? So the, you can see how the body types are changing of what mm-hmm. we expect or what we you know what we anticipate an athlete could be based on body type. And it's just it's just really you can see the evolution of the game. And um, this is this 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 conversation. <laughs> this is really good. I really appreciate you coming. I know you have to go. I know I know it's we got about three minutes before you got to get out of here and go into your appointments right. and stuff for the morning, but um. Um, I, we got we're gonna pick this back up with regards to recovery because I think it's a huge topic and I think it's gonna be helpful to get the people educated out there to know what's going on. And um, but before you go, can you just let everybody know where they can get you on social media, where they can where they can find you? Definitely, uh, we got uh, my, my website for the for the facility is ampathletes.com, A-M-P-A-T-H-L-E-T-E-S dot com. Uh, you can catch me on. Uh, on Instagram at Coach TJ Lopez, um, and Amp underscore Athlete is our facility. 
Um, that's probably one of the best spots to find us. The information most up to date is Instagram, uh, and our, 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 uh, Facebook is, uh, forward slash amp athletes. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was great, great conversation. I, I hope to continue this. And, and if anybody out there listening, if you have any other questions, um, you know, specifically, uh, you know, about recovery, about strength training, performance training, nutrition, anything, uh, we, we'd be more than happy to, to answer them and, you know, get them on the, on the next episode. That sounds great. And, and just so you know out there, you, you can see this. I'll have show notes for each podcast episode where everything, most of the stuff we talked about, I'll summarize it. And I have, we'll have some links where you can look up stuff and, and some videos that maybe TJ has made or someone else has made that actually can be a reference for you to get more information on each topic. And then we go, with the show notes, you'll also be able to find out find t, uh, TJ's information and amp athletic movement protocols uh, information in regards to social media and all that good stuff. So TJ, again, thank you for uh, being a guest here on Transcending Sport. Uh, I'm your host, Rob Cruz. Catch you all next time.